strength from the throne. I want you to welcome our friend, brother and sister, Tom Fred Tenney. God love you, brother. Well, as uh, I tell you every time I come, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to Eastwood. God bless you. You may be seated. I deeply uh, appreciate the privilege of being here today and to be in the presence of Jesus. You know why Jesus is here? Because you're here. This building didn't bring him. Steeple didn't bring him. Flash and sign out front didn't bring him. But you brought him. You brought him. His presence is in you. Consequently, his presence is in this building. So let's just open God up to capacity. Just open the faucet wide and let the Holy Spirit flow through each of us today. And uh, you know that I love you, your pastor, and I, I presume you still love him. What about his wife? You still love her a little bit? All right. Sister Tenney, I want you to come greet these folks. You can stand down here. I know it's a little difficult for you to get up here, honey, but pray for me. I didn't see him running up those steps either. <laughs> well, I'm always happy to be with our friends, the Ewings, and with all of the Eastwood family. And uh, just listening to the comments this morning, the thought crossed my mind. I'm so glad I have a feeling of belonging. Just somewhere I belong. I belong. Some people I belong to. People that belong to me. You know, the world is full of communication now. I mean, email, texting, twittering, computers, telephones, cell phones. You're never away from a possibility of communication. And yet, psychologists tell us that we have a very lonely generation. I am so glad that I have a perfect father, a heavenly father that I love and he loves me with all my imperfections and I have a people where I belong and that's a comfortable feeling. Bless you all. Thank you, my dear. Thank you, my dear. Now, let's stand for the reading of the word. Oftentimes we preachers say, I want to get into the Word, and the Word said, I want to get into you. And we'll say, let's open the Word, and the Word says, I want to open you. And I trust that we will open to the Word of God uh, this morning. Genesis chapter 28, the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, and from the 28th chapter, we'll begin with the 10th verse and just kind of read and skip down for time's sake for several verses, beginning with verse 10 of Genesis 28. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went to Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place, tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And the Bible said he dreamed a dream and saw a ladder set up on earth. The top reached to heaven, saw angels, verse 13, and said he heard the Lord say, I'm the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac. And verse 14, he said, Thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. He promised him great things. Verse 15, Behold, I'm with thee. I'll keep thee in all places. Wow. And he was in a hard place if he had a rock for a pillow. I will keep thee in all places wherever you go. In other words, you can't go anywhere that I won't be with you. Isn't that a wonderful promise? You can't go anywhere that I won't be with you. All places. Wow. And he said, I'll bring you again to this land. 
And I'll not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken of thee. And Jacob waked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And after that encounter, verse 18 said, He arose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for pillows and set them up for pillars. Wow. When a pillow becomes a pillar. And poured oil upon the top of it and called the name of the place uh, Bethel. And then Jacob talked to the Lord and said, If you'll go with me the way that I go, give me bread to eat and raiment. Verse 21, I'll come again to my father's house in peace. And then shall the Lord be my God. This stone which you've set for a pillar shall be God's house. And all that thou givest me. Now here's how I really know he had an encounter with God. I'll pay my tithes. Now you know you've met God when you say you'll pay your tithes. I'll give a tenth unto thee. Now notice particularly verse 17. This is none other but the house of God. What makes the house of God? That's what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes. What makes the house of God? Father, in the name of Jesus, your word has been read. Let it be expounded to the glory of God. Open our hearts, we pray. In the name of Jesus and all the saints said, Amen. You may be seated. This is the first place in the Bible that the house of God is mentioned. And will you note that it is not a building? Now we find a man by the name of Jacob running from his past, fearing in the present, and he intersects his future at this place that he called the house of God. Now, you know you can tell a lot about a man by the type of folks he hangs out with. Do you know you can tell a lot about God about the folks that he hung out with? And sometimes the devil will get us, we'll make a mistake and he'll rub it in our face and tell us how no good we are and we just, well, check out because we'll, God won't ever love us. But he's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, people give God identity. Now, we often say, well, God gives us identity, but God was known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. People can still today give God identity. I hope that he could be the God of Ewan and Tenny and maybe even Varnado. Could we give God identity today? And yet, who were these fellas? Abraham was a liar. I'm sorry. Isaac was a loser. And Jacob was a luster. So God is the God of liars, losers, and lusters. Does that encourage you a little bit? Now, they did repent and get right. But you know, Paul said to the church at Corinth, he named everything in the catalog of sin. And then he said, such were some of you. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I may have memories, but I don't have a past. My past is under the blood. He met something at that house of God that radically changed him. Now, there wasn't a foundation. There wasn't a sidewall. There wasn't a roof. There wasn't any pews. But he called it the house of God. And in, in, in theology, this is what we call the law of first reference. If you don't find a specific doctrine that says this is what it takes to be this, you look for the first place it's mentioned in the Scriptures. And go back and study that setting and you get a clue. So we get a clue as to what the house of God is. Jacob had an experience there. So before the house of God was a building, it was an experience. Well, what is it that makes the house of God the house of God? It's not the building. It's the experience. So you could have a building but not have an experience and you hadn't been to the house of God. 
but you might not have a building and have experience with him and you are in the house of God. Now, there are five things that made this the house of God if we're going to the law of first reference. First of all, he looked up and the heavens were opened. If this is truly a house of God, then Eastwood, we're going to have an open heaven here. Secondly, and I'll go back over these, he saw angels ascending and descending. The supernatural was there. If this is a house of God, we're going to have the experience of the supernatural. And thirdly, the Lord spoke to him. If this is a house of God, we're going to have the word of God. And fourthly, there was a connection between God and man. If God and man do not connect, then it's not the house of God. And last but not least, he uncorked the bottle and poured oil on the pillar. The anointing will be there. Now these five things make the house of God. I don't care what the pews look like, the carpet looks like, the roof looks like, the steeple looks like. If these five things are here, we are in the house of God. Hallelujah. An open heaven. We oftentimes say, oh, Lord, open the windows of heaven. That's Old Testament language. You don't find that in New Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus stood at the River Jordan, and the Bible said the heavens opened. Not just a window, even the impediment of the wind has been removed, and all of heaven is open in the grace dispensation. Under law, all they had was a window and got a peak. But under grace, we get everything he had. The windows of heaven are open in this place because this is the house of God. I want the windows of heaven, but I want heaven to be open. <sighs> oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. He said in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he spoke of the heavens being open. Well, the reverse is true. If we don't humble ourselves, if we don't seek his face, if we don't turn from our wicked ways, then the reverse is heaven's closed. So if we want to open heaven, we've got to humble ourselves. Seek his face. Hallelujah. And repent. If there's anything wrong. You may say, Brother Tenney, I don't have anything to repent of. Well, let me give you some advice. Just repent because you think you don't have nothing to repent of. Well, I wish somebody would tell me how to repent. Well, ask your spouse if you need anything. So he saw an open heaven. What is it that opens heaven? We talk about the, the 40 days and nights of the rain that came down. And sometimes we liken that to the rain of judgment or the rain of the blessings of God. But before that rain ever fell, the Bible said the fountains of the deep were open. Earth broke up and released contained water before water fell from heaven. And brokenness on earth produces openness in heaven. Before the heavens open, there's got to be brokenness on earth. And then heaven opens in answer to the brokenness on earth. Not our arrogance, prides, complaints, criticisms, but an open heaven. Think of what all is in heaven. All of the grace and the power and the blessing. And if this is a house of God, it's an open heaven. And it's drawn to the needs of earth. God is drawn to emptiness, not fullness. If I say, God, look how full I am, look what I, how good I am, turns him off. Pew. 
But if I come as an empty pitcher to a full fountain, he is drawn to emptiness. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst. Those are symbols of emptiness for righteousness. So if we want an open heaven, there's got to be a hunger and a thirst and an openness and a brokenness. And then heaven comes down and it really becomes the house of God. You know, I mentioned a while ago about Jacob paying his tithes. Malachi 3 and 8 speaks of God said, you've robbed me. And he goes into the tithing business and said, you do what's right and I'll open heaven. You'll live under an open heaven. Uh, someone said, well, why do we have to pay tithes? Let me tell you something. God's not broke. He doesn't need your money. Why do we pay tithes? Well, I can tell you exactly why we pay tithes. Somebody said, well, we, if we don't, we rob God. That's what Malachi 3 and 8 said. You've robbed me because you haven't paid your tithes. Let me tell you what you rob God of. You rob God of an opportunity to bless you. That's all I'll say about that, and then you'll start amening me a little longer. But an open heaven, and he had a stone for a pillow. He didn't have too much comfort, but he had contact. And sometimes discomfort brings contact. And God stirs our nest in order that we'll begin to feel after him. It makes us uncomfortable. So that he was seeking direction. Where am I to go? What am I to do? And he was running from something in his past, a bad relationship with a brother and the deception of, a, of his father. And here he is, and, and the heaven opens. Now, the second thing is he saw angels. If this is a house of God, the supernatural is going to be here. I've heard preachers say that God dropped a ladder down. But that's not what it said. He saw angels. He said there was a ladder from earth to heaven. Not from heaven to earth. The contact with heaven was initiated on earth. And it didn't say the angels were descending and ascending. They were ascending before they came back. The reason we don't get anything back is we don't send anything up. It had to originate. The connection had to originate on earth. That's where the ladder was set up. And... The first thing you know, it was an earth setup. God, the angels, began to move and worship and contact and prayer. You see, angels start at the level of where man is. Proof text that. The angels, Paul said, are ministering spirits sent to minister the heirs of salvation. There are too many angels in the unemployment line. I got a whole message on the ministry of angels. I'll come back and, and teach it to you sometimes. I can't get into it now. But Hosea 12, 3 and 4 said of Jacob that he had power with God and power, notice this, over angels. Power with God, but power over angels. Whew. So he was sending angels up. Oh, what are we sending up? Job 36 and 27 and 28 said the vapors go up and the rain comes down. Do you know the Bible said that? Well, we know that. Before science ever told us that vapors going up from earth, condensation of moisture brings rain down from heaven, God's Word said it. If we send vapors of praise up, then God sends copious showers of rain down. So are we ready for the activation of the supernatural? For he maketh small the drops of water that pour down rain according to the vapor thereof. Whatever the vapor is going up, hey, you want God to rain down power? 
Send up some vapor this morning. Send up a little vapor. You want the activation of angels? You want the supernatural? Well, whatever you send up is coming down. Ain't nothing coming down. Ain't nothing going up. God, why don't you rain down blessing? God said, what you sending up? And here are these angels going up, coming down, going up with requests, coming down with answers, bringing blessings down. It produces a realm of the supernatural. The more you send up, the more comes down. Uh, you know, Daniel, after a 21-day fast, he prayed down an archangel. The first time Michael the archangel is mentioned in the Scripture Daniel tapped in to a higher order of angels because he would not quit sending things up. 21 days looked like nothing happened, and it did. And he's fasting and praying and worshiping and waiting on God, and nothing's happening, but he doesn't quit. He doesn't say, well, I've tried two days, fasted three days. Nope. Fasted a week, nothing happened. Nope. Don't feel a thing. Fasted two weeks. Prayed two weeks. Finally, after three weeks, he bypassed a lower rank of angels. And the first time Michael is mentioned, his fasting and prayer and sending things up brought Michael the archangel down into the war zone of his need. You understand that? So sometimes you've got to hold on when it looks like nothing's happening. That's where faith pays off. When it, but he just kept sending th and the first thing you know here it came but for us uh, for us what a what a God John 151 can you put John 151 up there John's in the New Testament Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 151. And he said unto him, Verily, I say unto you hereafter, so you see, open heaven. Okay, that's what we talked about first. The heavens open. If this is a house of God. And angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Pastor, where's the ladder? Under grace, all mechanics are gone. You don't need any mechanical lift. The ladder is removed in its unimpeded access. The wonderful message of grace that heaven opens and it's so quick you don't need a ladder. Sap! And the Son of Man did that for you, Jesus Remove the ladder and gave you access to an open heaven. Don't you love Jesus? Whoo, what a Savior. Gotta have the supernatural. If this is a Pentecostal church, gotta have the supernatural. Not a lot of professionalism, supernatural. Not a lot of oratory, supernatural. Not a lot of mechanics, supernatural. May not understand your doctrine. May not understand your lifestyle. But every time I walk into this church, whoo, my goosebumps get goosebumps. I feel something. What's different about you? It's the atmosphere of the supernatural power of God. And if this is a house of God, we've got to have it. And the pulpit can't produce it. It can help. But you produce the climate. You send up the vapors. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thirdly, I got to get through. The word of God was there. God spoke to him. And if this is a house of God, the true word of God's going to be here. Daniel opened heaven. Daniel activated the supernatural. And God's word came to Daniel. He was in Babylon with no synagogue, but he was in the house of God. Because it was an experience. So you've got to have 
the word of God. And you can't be picky. Some people come to church with a Piccadilly cafeteria complex. I'll take that. No, I don't want that. That doesn't suit my taste. Give me a little of this. No, no, I can't stand that. If it's a word of God, sometimes it crosses us. Every now and then, it may even upset us. But we got to have it. But it'll bless us. It'll always end up. It'll always end up blessing. When Jesus asks you for something, it's always because he wants to give you something. I don't understand that. Okay, the woman at the well, he said, give me some water. He didn't want to drink. He wanted to give her something. If you knew who it was that's talking to you, you'd ask me and I'd give you a well of water. So remember, anytime Jesus asks you for anything, it's because he wants to give you something. I don't think you got it over here. I'm going to try it over here. Anytime Jesus asks you for something, it's because he wants to give you something. He's always got your good in mind. And, and you've got to have the Word of God. I'm not talking about philosophical speculation and somebody's haranguing about something they don't, or, or imposing their prejudice on you and calling it the Word of God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the pure, rich Word of the living God that will get you from earth to heaven. Now, fourthly, you got to have a connection between God and man. There's no direction without connection. And we need to connect every time we come. And it's up to us because he's here. And so if this is a house of God, God and man will be able to connect here. And then fifthly, He anointed that rock. If this is the house of God, the anointing will be here. And I can't explain the anointing. I'm like the fellow that said, I don't know what it is, but I sure know when it ain't. But there's got to be an anointing. And when the anointing comes, you'll say, I'll come and I'll go. I'll flow. Come and go. Flow. The anointing was oil that flowed, and you get this come and go. Whatever God wants me to come, I'll come. When he wants me to go, I'll go. And we're always willing to come. Sometimes God directs us, you know, to go out and tell what we've come here and received. And the anointing is not, some people have the idea of the anointing's just for the pulpit. Well, there's anointed singers, anointed the anointing's for you, and the anointing's for others. Read the 61st chapter of the first verse of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord's on me. He's anointed me. And all of that anointing is for others. Open blinded eyes, open prison doors, heal the sick. Not a bit of the anointing was for Jesus himself, but it's for others. And the anointing is not just for you or for me, but it's to flow out of us for others. We're not... If God can get it through us, he'll get it to us. But there's got to be an anointing here. And the anointing is unexplainable. Uh, but we've got to have it. You've got to have it in the pulpit. You better thank God for anointed leadership. You've always had anointed leadership. I said you've always had anointed leadership. But let me tell you something. Part of my responsibility from the Lord in this season of my life is to protect the anointing. I speak to in the lives of a number of anointed men. I'm not talking about in a braggadocio way, but that's something God told me to do, protect the anointing. And sometimes, I was telling your pastor yesterday, 
Your anointing can make a contract that your body can't fulfill. You say that? Oh, yeah, I, I, I teach that. I'll go somewhere. So I'm 75 years old, and I'll get to preaching and moving. I'll get so anointed. Somebody will come and say, Brother Tenney, we want you to come here. Yeah, I'll come. We want you to come here. Yeah, yeah. And first thing you know, I got two years booked up. I get home, and my body says, you didn't consult me about that. What did you say, my dear? I've got an opinion on the front row that I really didn't ask for. Yeah. You're telling me to live up to what I'm preaching. You should have stayed home this morning. I... But, you know, I was talking to you. I, I really shouldn't tell this, but, you know, the, the Ewans, we're like family. Uh, I was best man at the wedding. My wife was matron of honor. And I'm going to tell you what I told him. Now, he don't do everything I tell him, but I'm going to tell you what I told him. Huh? Most everything. Thank you, Joan. I got another woman here putting words in my mouth. That's <laughs> all I need is one more woman here to tell me something. <laughs> I see you, Vonnie. Keep your hand down. Let me tell you what I told you, Pastor. I told him. He, he's highly anointed. I want to protect that anointing. We want to keep him around. And sometimes his anointing is making contracts that at this season of life, I, you know, I don't have to draw you all a picture. He's had several surgeries. He's had radiation. Uh, he's like me. Sometimes he gets a little weak. I have advised him. He don't know I'm going to say this. To take a couple of months sabbatical and get away and get his strength back. Now, he'll probably cut down on my offering because I said that, but I said it anyhow. But I'm trying to protect his anointing. He, he needs uh, the pressure and, and everything. And, and he'll set, if he does, if he takes my advice, he'll set something here in order in, in this interim period. And if this church is not mature enough to behave for a couple of months, then let me tell you something. He has miserably failed as a pastor. If you're not mature enough, and I believe you are, I know you are. Now, I don't know whether he'll do it or not, but I hope y'all encourage him to. And he'll put something in order. And whatever he puts in order here while he's gone, you behave yourself and get behind it and support it. Now, I said it, and I'm glad. Because I'm talking about the anointing. And we want to preserve. You know, I'd give anything if I could turn the clock back on my body and keep what I know. But I can't do that. So I got to make a contract with what I got left so that it'll last as long as it can to the glory of God. Because God gives me sense enough. I don't know how I got off into all this, but anyhow, I did. Uh, I'm not here to preach a masterpiece anyhow. I'm here to preach the master and his peace. Well, let me close with this. It's 11 o'clock. Y'all are ready to go eat. But let me tell you something about this temple of God and this house of God. The tabernacle in the wilderness. Now listen to me. The tabernacle in the wilderness. Heaven was open over it. Do you remember when the glory of God fell? Remember when the glory of God fell in the temple of Solomon? That's what made in the tabernacle and the temple the will of God. 
Secondly, there was the presence of angels in both the tabernacle and the temple. Thirdly, the word of the Lord was spoken for there. Fourthly, God connected with man. Fifthly, everything in the tabernacle and the temple were anointed. They were God's house because of experiences that you could have there. But today, today, who is the temple of the Holy Ghost? So people ought to be able to come to us and find everything they found in the temple and the tabernacle. When Jesus was on earth, he was called the tabernacle. Well, did Jesus have all of this? Certainly he did. The heavens opened over Jesus in the river Jordan. Angels descended. Supernatural. The word of God came from Jesus. He connected with God. He was anointed. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me. And we are replicas of Him. We're supposed to live out His life. So when people come to us, they should find in us an open heaven. They should find in us the Word of God. They should find in us a connection. Everything they can find in Jesus, the tabernacle, the temple. Because we're the temple of God. We become the house of God on location. And God should be able to bring people, not to this building, but to you. And they should be able to find everything they need. Because you're connected with Him. You're connected. With him. Christianity was never meant to be defined by its disciplines, but by its passion. How much of a passion do we have for Jesus? Do we really want God to use us? That we're walking hunger creators. That people can just come in contact with us and sense the anointing and not know. All I have is personal illustrations, but several months ago I was got off a plane and was going down Concourse D in Atlanta. I may have told you this. I don't know what happened several months ago. I was rushing to catch a plane and a man standing by one of the pillars. Hundreds of people. He reached out and touched me. I looked and I'd never seen him before in my life. He said, I asked God to put a man of God in my path today. And I think you're that man. And I looked into his eyes and instantly I, Holy Spirit, help me. And I began to minister to him, talk to him. He pinned his eyes. I, I told him about some of our churches. And then right in the middle of Concourse D, I reached over and laid hands on him and started praying for him. You mean in that concourse? Well, that body, why not? People drink and cuss and do anything they want to do. What's wrong with me talking to Jesus when a man stops me and said, I asked God, did you know you can have that anointing and God can put you in somebody's way? And they can say, I asked God, you can be the answer to a prayer. You're always talking about God answer my prayers. You could be the answer to somebody's prayer. Now, this is the law of the house of God, and I brought it down to the fact you can be the experience of God on location for a hungry, lost, desperate world. Doesn't have to be a house. Oh, God. Jesus. Anybody here love Jesus? Anybody here want to be like Jesus? Let's stand and send some vapors up. 
and get some angels down. Oh, I'm hungry for the experience of the house of God. Not just to come in and sit down on comfortable pews and fellowship with my brothers and sisters. But I want to be the house of God. Let's lift our hands and praise Him again. Sing. Oh. I dedicate this temple. I dedicate this temple. Anybody feel enough to be drawn down here and say, I'm coming, Lord. I want to be used this week. Anybody want to come stand with me down here? I want to be the house of God on location. Tired of all the pettiness and complaining and griping. An open heaven. Leave here anointed. Yes, yes. No matter what it is, use it all your service for a holy purpose. I mean it, Jesus. I want to be different. I don't want to just come and go to the place of the holy. If you're under the anointing, you'll be like Jacob. I'll flow. I'll come and I'll go. Hey, let's minister to one another. Just reach out and lay your hands on the shoulder of the one next to you. Pray for them. Everybody. Just, just, Lord, my brother, my sister. Let them flow with this message. Let them flow. Let us flow together in unity as a church. Oh, 
passion and love grip us we want to be changed I mean it, Jesus. I want to be changed. Use it. Getting deeper. Copious showers are coming down. Get ready for a spiritual flood. The angels of the Lord are here. The anointing is here. We're not going to leave like we came. We're going to leave flowing. We came to the house of God, but we're going to leave the house of God. Peace, 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 peace. I commend the peace into the storm, Lord. I speak peace confusion I speak peace 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 I command peace my peace I give my peace I leave peace peace I declare it in the name of Jesus peace I don't understand it but peace maybe it looks like nothing's changed but I have peace that ultimately I know God is in control. I may not understand my present, but my future is secure. I may not understand my time, but my eternity is sure. Peace. Peace. Hari Mohaya. Deep Holy Spirit. Wait just a few minutes here. Presence of God. Oh, I don't ever like to leave church without a connection with God. Peace. Peace. Coming down from the Father. It's coming down because we sent it up. Now let this be our prayer. So we pour my spirit forever. 
and fathomless. As a prayer, one more time. Oh, yes. Peace. Peace. Isn't it wonderful? the Lord say the Lord's saying that the windows of heaven are always open is what I got that we don't have to struggle to reach the throne of God all we got to do is call ask and everything we want he has for us Everything we want. That's that's an open heaven. <laughs> Everything we want. What is your need this morning? You know, there's a scripture that speaks of going to God and coming back with baskets of store. <laughs> Let's go to God's supermarket this morning. Load up. <laughs> it's open. It's not bankrupt. It's not going to close. The economy is not going to affect it. Get your basket and fill up. Pastor.